0: Okay, I'm going to be reading from Acts chapter 17, starting at verse 16. Now, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him, as he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons, and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. And some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, well, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities, because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. For you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. Let's pray. Father, what a privilege it is to have the sacred scriptures, that we can open them up, And allow them to teach us your truth to equip us and how to conduct our lives in this world in a manner worthy of our calling so father help us now to hear what your word has to say to us may you convict us of our sin rebuke us correct us but also train us in righteousness equip us through your word so that we can live the godly lives you've called us to live be with me help me to be clear And help me to speak the truth, preach Christ crucified and speak the truth in love with a tender heart. Help us all now, Father, to listen. Thank you again that we have the Holy Spirit who lives in us, who teaches us the truth, who illuminates the scriptures and helps us understand your word. Thank you now, Father, for this morning. Thank you again for the scriptures. And I pray and ask this all in our Saviour's name, Jesus. Amen. As you saw on the map, we continue with Paul in his second missionary journey. And Paul has one goal, and that is to glorify his father through proclaiming Jesus as Lord and Saviour. He's out there sharing God's word. As I was reading around preparing, this one person said, Europe is looked over by millions of visitors and is overlooked by millions of Christians. Maybe we can say the same for Robertson. Robertson is looked over by many visitors and is overlooked by many Christians. Robertson needs the gospel. South Africa needs to hear the gospel. Just like in Paul's day, people needed to hear the gospel. But the big question is do we have an attitude of boldness for Jesus? Do we have an attitude of boldness for Jesus? And by the word boldness i mean showing a fearless spirit willing to take a risk and the risk or fearless spirit is, is seen in boldness to speak the word of god in face of opposition in face whoever is standing before you now a great example of boldness for jesus is stephen he was martyred for being bold for jesus Now, i'm not saying we all need to go and do what stephen did but, but he was a man who was full of wisdom, power and grace and full of the Holy Spirit and he stood up to opposition. He had an attitude of boldness for Jesus telling them that they betrayed and murdered the righteous one. There was a fearless spirit. There was risk and we know it cost him his life. being bold for jesus proclaiming the word again do we have such an attitude of boldness for jesus i'm not saying we must all be like stephen but do we stand up to our friends our families when it comes to having an opportunity to to be bold for jesus or do we have a spirit of spirit of tolerance we just tolerate everything We're worried we're gonna offend someone As soon as you open this word this morning, I offend you You're gonna offend people as you take the truth and sow it into the lives of people Are we willing to take a risk or danger or are we embarrassed? To share the truth. Are we ashamed of the gospel? proverbs tells us the righteous are bold as a lion do we see ourselves as bold as a lion especially when it's required to be bold as a lion or do we shy away i think of jesus he's another example who was we had an attitude of boldness for god his father in how he confronted the opposition how what he said and what he said he left it in the hands of his father we must do the same we mustn't try to control things or think oh i'm going to speak to you so-and-so i better be careful what i say because jesus confronted the the pharisees the scribes the sadducees the high priests the priests And here is an opportunity where, listen to what he has to say. And he's speaking to the, the leaders of the day. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies he speaks out of his own character for he is a liar and the father of lies but because i this is jesus but because i tell the truth you do not believe me which one of you convicts me of sin if i tell the truth why do you not believe me whoever is of god hears the words of god and the reason why you don't hear them is that you are not of god And yet jesus is facing opposition in 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 religious people are we like this towards people that profess to be christians but they do not live the christian life people that say i can love jesus but i don't have to be in the church the reason why you do not hear me is that you're not of god maybe that's the truth because if you love jesus you keep his commandments you keep his word you walk in his ways you honor him you yoke with him you learn from him because he's humble and gentle in heart and he wants to help us and if we open the scriptures i mean i'm, I'm just amazed at, at john it's such a beautiful letter first john and he says this but whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of god is perfected by this we know that we are in him whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked and if we are not walking in the same way as jesus then maybe we are not of god we have to examine our hearts we have to see if christ is in our hearts speaking with boldness for god was needed in jesus's day and he did it speaking for boldness for jesus is needed today will we do it the gospel is the only thing that is going to save people so what does boldness for jesus look like well this morning i'm going to show us two things from acts chapter 17. we'll look at two things from acts chapter 17 verses 16 to 21. To see what boldness for Jesus as a Christian should look like. And hopefully we will be encouraged and challenged to have an attitude of boldness for Jesus. Now I know that there are times when we struggle, but that's when we need God's grace. That's when we need each other. We need to encourage each other. We sometimes make walking with Jesus or walk in the park. And it's not. It's not. We have, to, we have to be in prayer. We have to be in the scriptures. And we have to be around each other in fellowship to, to encourage each other and stir each other to keep on marching on and fighting this good fight for the sake of Christ. So the first thing to show us what boldness for Jesus looks like as a Christian is they are provoked within and we're going to just look at verse 16 of Acts chapter 7, which, of 17, which tells us, Now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, his spirit was provoked within him, as he saw the city was full of idols. Just a quick history here. Paul is pushed out of Berea, and he is escorted down to Athens and when the folk that are with him arrive in Athens Paul asks them please take back a message to Silas and Timothy to tell them to come meet me in Athens as soon as you can and then the escort party goes back off and Paul is left alone in Athens and Paul as such a A passion for people and a love for Christ but as he walks around as he sees Athens as a religious center of the Roman Empire and a prominent city of culture learning and philosophy all he sees is a city full of vain idols Idol worship is anything that is a substitute for the worship of God. An idol is anything that the heart clings to for ultimate security. I like what John Colvin said the human heart is an idol factory. We all have idols. That's why we need to be in the scripture to push those idols out of our hearts. We are clothed in Christ's righteousness, but we still live in this fallen body, tainted with sin, and everybody here has idols. Our hearts become factories of idols in which we fashion and refashion God to fit our needs and desires. That's the question. Are we worshiping the God of the Bible today, or are we worshiping the God that we have refashioned to meet our needs and our desires today? And only, we know, only way we know if we are worshiping the true living God is if we are in the Scriptures and we align His Word to sanctify us and to and to sharpen us and to help us. Your idol could be your money. It could be your job. Today, in those days, it was statues, huge statues. Someone said that there was a, a, a Petronius a pagan writer says it was easier to find a god in Athens than a man they were just idols and then he said for Africa but for Athens there were just idols everywhere and today idols can be money can be a house it can be your possessions it could be your car if you worship the stars the constellations your idol could be your hobby You might have Jesus plus your idol, because your idol brings maybe more security because you see it and you're around it and it brings more satisfaction. But hopefully our hearts cling to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour alone. Hopefully we worship Him alone. If you read Psalm 135, you ask the question, Why would I want to worship an idol? When I've read that psalm, why would I want to worship an idol? Verse 15 starts The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of human hands. Our God is not the work of human hands. Our God existed eternally. No one made him. From the beginning, God existed. They have mouths but do not speak. Our God speaks to us through the written word. But we would rather turn to something else that does not speak. They have eyes but do not see. Our God is all seeing. He sees us today. He's all present. He's present here. And He sees exactly what goes in our hearts. They have ears but do not hear. Our God hears. When you cry to him in prayer, no matter how small or big your prayer is, he hears. Nor is there any breath in their mouths. They are dead. Our God is alive, He's living. And that's what we celebrate this coming weekend. Friday is the, the crucifixion. And then Sunday is the resurrection. Our God is alive. And the rest of the psalm says, Those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. What verse 18 is basically telling us that if we worship idols, we become like one of the idols And we will become like them for ruin. Idol worship is wrong. Because in essence, like someone said, you treat the true God as a false God and the truly false idol as the true God. I'll repeat that. Because in essence, you treat the true God as a false God and the truly false idol as the true God. We can only worship the true living God as He has disclosed Himself in the Scriptures. If we're not in the Scriptures, we are then worshiping God through the figment of our imagination and we might have turned this God into an idol for our own. Another reason why it's wrong, because Scripture tells us If we know the Ten Commandments, the first two commandments are You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them for I, the Lord your God am a jealous God. That's why we don't have idols. That's why we worship God alone as the true living God. We are called to worship God only. The Israelites were called to worship God alone. There was no room for other gods because other gods would mean they're worshipping idols and they get caught up in idolatry. And they live an idolatrous life. And how could Israel, if they're married to God, they the bride and he's the bridegroom. And if you're in a marriage relationship and you start messing around with other gods, it's adultery. It's an abomination. Think what happened, What would happen in your own marriage if you start messing around with other spouses, other married people. It's adultery. Our God is a jealous God. They cannot be Christ plus idols. We need to have an attitude of boldness for Jesus to take the good news, the gospel of God, to the unsaved. So that the gospel can destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Are we doing this? Are we rubbing shoulders with unsaved family friends? Unsaved friends. What about unsaved generally, who we have opportunities to share the gospel with in our community, in the workplace? You do it within reason, within love. You don't go and corner someone. You do it when it happens. And God will open those doors and will give us opportunities. Because if we look around us, there are many idols in this town. Not like statues, but idols generally. Homes, cars, work, businesses. Maybe your phone is your idol. Maybe it's your dog. Maybe it's some other pet, your horse that you go and horse ride. Maybe it's your your hobby. Maybe it's... Your gym, your sport, whatever you do, can be your idol. It's amazing when you, when you, Well, I enjoy watching surfing and you hear the guys talk about Mother Nature. Mother Nature makes these big waves. That's the idol. It's amazing that people just said, oh, look what God has created it for us to enjoy these powerful waves, which displays His power and His awesomeness. But we who are saved, we should help people see the truth. But the question is, which comes to my first thing, when you see idols, will you be provoked within to do something? Like Paul, his spirit was provoked within. Or when you see an idol, do you just grumble and complain? Do we just grumble or complain what's happening in South Africa? Or do we actually do something about it? Someone beautifully said, Paul arrived in the great city of Athens, not as a sightseer, but as a soul winner. When you leave your door to go out your house in the morning, or any do you go with, with an ambition of being a soul winner? Not, not trying to knock people over and, and make things happen, just when things naturally happen, when the opportunities come. Opportunities will come in in having an opportunity to, to witness to someone or to help correct someone when they don't speak the truth correctly. Because Paul arrived in Athens with an attitude of boldness for Jesus. And while in Athens he saw idols, his spirit was provoked within him, basically his heart was broken And the word "provoked" means his heart was stirred up to an intense and burning anger against the idolatry that enslaved the people of Athens. Paul's spirit was stirred up because idolatry robbed God of his glory. And when he saw idols, his emotions were stirred up for action. Are you stirred up for action or do we just remain passive? Someone else will take the gospel to them, or we'll leave it to the pastors. Paul knew, like I mentioned earlier on, that the Lord, his God, is a jealous God. And Paul shared something of the jealousy of God for his own name and character. In Exodus 34, 14, you shall worship no other God, for the Lord, whose name is jealous, is a jealous God. And Paul's spirit was stirred up in a heart of jealousy for the name of God. He saw how Satan was robbing people of worshipping the true living God. How they were caught up in idols and idolatry. And if Paul's spirit was disturbed by the idols, surely our spirit should also be stirred up, should be disturbed by what we see. Because what pagan sacrifice, they offer to demons and not to God. That's what he writes to Corinthians 10.20. You just got to switch on the TV today. Just got to read the news on your phone, or on your computer screen, or if you still get a hard copy of the paper, and you'll see how this world is falling apart because man has forgotten God, and man is just caught up in idols. And we as Christians can do something about that. If we just become more anxious, you know, in a healthy way about what's going on. So it stirs us up to, to go out there and become bold for Jesus. We should be in the scriptures transforming and renewing our minds daily. So we do not conform to the things of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of minds. We look at what God's will is that is good and pleasing and acceptable. We just look at someone like Nehemiah. When Nehemiah heard what was happening in Jerusalem, that the, that the walls of Jerusalem were broken and the gates of Jerusalem were, were burnt, they were destroyed by fire, he was stirred up to weep. And to fast and to pray, which then caused him to become active. His emotions were stirred up to action to do something about Jerusalem. How many of us weep over what's going on in our community because of idols, what's going on in our country because of idols? How many of us are on our knees praying? Because we've broken over what we see. Is your spirit, is my spirit provoked to an attitude of boldness for Jesus? We need to encourage each other to pray more for us to be bold for Jesus, to go out there and when the opportunities come our way, we share the gospel of Christ. We need to encourage each other to, to to pray and to keep fighting the good fight. None of this is easy. We need each other. We need we need God's grace and God's strength. We need the Holy Spirit to to help us. To we've been given power from Him. We will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. We've received that power. But will we be moved like Paul that when he saw the idols, that the Athens was full of idols, his spirit was provoked. And then Lord willing, when we meet again, we'll see what happens. What happens is that he is led to speak the unchanging truth of the gospel, which is about Jesus and his resurrection. That's what we should be stirred up to do. That's the next thing is to share something with these people and it has to be the truth and we will look at that next time to see what paul does and how the lord opens up such a wide door for him to go to mars hill to areopagus and to share there on mars hill this unknown god and tell them about the true living god because they worship an unknown god So, this first thing that we looked at this morning from Acts chapter 17, verses 16, basically verse 16, what boldness for Jesus as a Christian looks like. Are we encouraged? Will we be challenged that when we go out that door, we will start cultivating an attitude of boldness for Jesus as we go out our front doors during the day? Will we be aware of the opportunities? Will we see them? Or will we still walk around with blinkers? And say, I've got my God. I'm fine. I'm safe. I'm off to heaven. We celebrate the Lord's Supper. Because we are reminded of what Christ, the righteous man, did for us. How he saved us. How he has brought us to God, his Father. So that we would die to ourselves. And to live for Him. So that we would have an attitude of boldness for Jesus. And go out there and share what we need to share all about Jesus. The gospel, the good news. We're living in a time, I think, we're just living for God to see what we can get from God. To build our little empires here on earth. We should be out there witnessing as the opportunities arise. We should have a a boldness for Jesus. Our attitude should be that. And it only comes if we are in the Scriptures and we are reading such wonderful passages and see what happened to Paul. And if we see that not happening to us, we should repent and ask God to help us, to give us the wisdom to be bold for Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you we can look to your word to guide us, to direct us, to help us. And forgive us, Father, for at times we are not always bold for Jesus. At times we are not always fighting the good fight for Jesus. At times we run away from the gospel. At times we are ashamed of the gospel. Forgive us, Father. But I pray now, Father, work in our hearts to, to, to come to true repentance and now to, to, to put on an attitude of boldness for Jesus. Help us to know that we've been called to not just live the Christian life, but also to proclaim Jesus to the lost world, to our families, to our friends, to our neighbours, to people in our workplace. Wouldn't it be lovely if the coffee shops were just full of people evangelizing, taking friends out for coffee and a milkshake? Father, help us. Help us, Father, please. Give us wisdom to have a change of heart and to do it within reason, within the strength of our faith. Help us, Father, please. Help us now as we come to the Lord's Table, the Lord's Supper, to be reminded of what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, for us, which we're unworthy, we deserve nothing. That He decided to die for us, so that we would become His workmanship, His servant, and serve wholeheartedly. Please, Father, be merciful to us pray in us this sorting in Jesus' name. Amen.